do us a quick favor guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode What I do now is, okay, what is measurable and why does it matter? And then be able to, every night before I go into the next day, those are written down and the day's not done until those are done. And having the mindset is like, I don't stop when I'm tired, I stop when it's done. And then that brings on the ownership to say, you know, I think it's really easy to just work. You know, I worked hard today. Okay, but did you get everything done that needed to get done? That's truly important to the business or your training. Um, whatever it may be and so how i track it is through measurable goals that are not just you know i think it's for me i can go work for 14 hours and i can check that off the box but did the actual tasks that surely drive revenue and progress for this company did those get done and he's here he is here cristiano has entered the building Unfortunately, guys, the intro for this video didn't record, so I'm just going to give you a quick introduction to what the introduction was. And basically, I was just introducing Logan here. I was going on how I believe that I met him, which was actually through LinkedIn, and I was going to give a bit of an insight of what the episode was going to be on. And it's pretty self-explanatory what the episode is on once you go through it, obviously. But for anyone who's wondering, uh, Logan, he is very well educated in the fitness world. He has his own app that he's also working on at the minute, which is getting more and more clients to, which is brilliant. And it's growing and it's brilliant to see. So for us, it's not just about Logan and his journey into this uh, entrepreneurship but also his journey from starting off in the USA playing sports there and how he developed into the person he is today and the main kind of theme that we're going for in this episode was the constant ownership and the amount of perspicacious and tenacious responsibility that you have to take but anyways, with that being said, enjoy the episode, and I'm sorry that the uh, quality and my audio isn't the best, but unfortunately, we have to deal with it. Uh, that's what happens when we do podcasts that are online, but regardless, I hope that this one uh, you will enjoy. It's a long one, but there's a lot of good stuff in here, so I hope you, hope you guys watch it. Gentlemen, excited to be here, Nick. Thanks for the uh, intro. I'm looking forward to talking with some fellow athletes and entrepreneurs. But uh, my story is relatively simple. Grew up here in um, the States to a you know a family where we, we always had enough, but never had a ton. Um, and very quickly learned that anything I wanted in life was not going to be handed to me. And um, I think that was shown very quickly in sports. Um, I grew up the smallest, the slowest. Um, not the most athletically talented um, at a young age. And so that meant work ethic was my ticket um, to success as well as, you know, as I matured and hit puberty and everything, luckily, you know, it's like I started to get those things like size, speed, agility, everything. Um, but grew up in an area where 
sports was my ticket out and hard work was a ticket out of a, a lifestyle that could, you know, really bring me up in, up in class and, and up in the world. Um, so I devoted my early, early years to sport, um, using that as, as a tool to, you know, advance myself. And then, um, after some injuries, I did my sports career moved into the professional world, um, where, you know, I devoted my life and all that work ethic into the finance field. Um, and then later after again, some injuries, but you know, my, honestly, my life in, in jeopardy took me to take a step back and start what is now intersect performance coaching, um, which we can dive into a little bit later, but intersect performance coaching works with athletes, entertainers, entrepreneurs, um, the 1% to really drive science back three million sixty degree performance, um, using blood work genomics um as well as nutrition supplementation hormone and fitness coaching to really unlock um performance for people that is unaccessible really anywhere else and so that's our mission is to bring um unbeatable performance results to to the high achievers in the world yeah a little bit about myself and thank you Logan, for being here today i think it's a very very interesting um episode today because uh, we can learn a lot from the entrepreneurial aspect of the world and athletic. Um, as I am very interested in business and entrepreneurship as well, I think a lot of things correlate with each other and we can take many aspects of both. Um, in terms of the overall message of today's episode, ownership, um, when was the first or in, in your early life, when did you have a switch of, oh, now I need to take ownership for myself? I need to take things into my own hands and get this thing rolling. Absolutely. There's um, there's one instance that I remember vividly. Um, I was seven years old. Um, we were, you know, uh, American football. Um, we were, they do a draft selection for the teams, even at a young age. I remember being the very last person picked out of a hundred kids for, for the teams. And I, I remember that moment being like you know, no one else is going to hand you something that you know it's like if you want something like it's all no one's coming to save you and I think even at a young age I still to this day I vividly remember that moment and that still is a driving factor for me and I think there's many many instances since then but that was the very first time in life where I really took a step back and that all right if I want to you know if I want to make my spot on the team or in life or whatever it may be, it's going to come down to, you know, other people aren't going to believe in yourself. You don't believe in yourself. And so, yeah, that, that moment at, at seven years old rings, rings through, you know, my life every day. I, I think it's very interesting to see. I personally believe I have a philosophy in life that everyone needs to fall on their head or fall forward once in order to truly be honest to yourself that I need to change something. Something's not going right. And ultimately, the only one who can change you is yourself. But you need this transparency of yourself that you are open to yourself and not kidding that, oh, yes, I need to change something from here on out. I want to do something differently. I want to maybe achieve my dreams. I want to work on something else. A, a personal anecdote from myself, I was a very athletic uh, young kid. I was always talented in football. And my family is a very entrepreneurial family we are all business oriented whatsoever and my breaking point was basically when I was uh, 15 
I um, was very social in terms of just getting into partying and stuff like that. We were all very young. And um, I was still interested in going um, more and more into the athletic scene or profession, play professional football. It was always my dream growing up. But there was one point where I maybe neglected the sport and went more into the social aspect because I was growing up. I wanted to be with friends. I wanted to enjoy some st stuff. And uh, before my under 15th preseason, my coaches wanted to kick me out of the team. That was the moment for me where it snapped, where I realized, oh shit, my, my dreams are fading away. I need to change something from there out. I changed some perspectives and I didn't let go of many friends, but I, I got rid of the friends that I didn't need, that didn't bring me a value and whatsoever. That was my personal anecdote. I think Nick has a similar um, or maybe he's, Nick has one specific event that he can remember where it just clicked for him that he made the move to Europe to go after his dream. And I think the entrepreneurial and business aspects or the characteristics that you can gain from that overlap each other and you can even go further. Um, so Nick, if you have anything to add, one of your perspectives to share. Yeah, well, I think just spot on that. And I think that you've identified the perfect kind of switch with Logan's anecdote there as well, because typically it is a a switch where it's it, it requires self-reflection. And typically with self-reflection, where you have this sense of ownership, you start to realize that things can be in your control. And you start to create your own luck because you start to create ways of making sure that this feeling that you have doesn't happen again because we we know that feeling for instance with logan he doesn't want to be the last person chosen but val he didn't want to have that that confrontation of his coaches you know saying at, at the age of 15 that, that, that they might not want him for the next season for me unfortunately it happened and it's too often uh, and especially in my younger years of playing football i can't necessarily point one specific moment because it, it happened many times in my career but that's something that that I was okay with. And I think that throughout this this episode, something that we'll constantly reiterate is the fact of these moments in our lives can either shape us or make us. And for instance, if Logan was to play the victim card in this situation, if Val was to play the victim card in this situation, where would they be? Well, they wouldn't be here. And through taking ownership and through this self-analysis, you're able to move forwards. And from what we've seen with Logan and Val, and for myself, it's not playing that victim card, it's moving forwards and then moving forwards even better than you did the first time. And that's excelling. And I think that that's a brilliant way to talk about how Logan, was this was this the first kind of initial switch for you? And, and did that actually have an effect in a lot of other areas of your life where it was one moment that then transcended into many other moments with that same mentality. Definitely, definitely. Um, but I would say, you know, it's like when I'm honest with myself through my journey, there was a point where, you know, I really, my genetic potential and, you know, I think I was kind of more of a little bit of a, a later bloomer, but around the age of 15 or 16, I really grew into my, my genetic and athletic potential. And all of a sudden, you know, I was the MVP of our American football team, our track team, our basketball team. Like all of a sudden it was like I went from the kid that was getting picked last to, you know, I was 
just an unstoppable force. And I think coming from the scarcity of that recognition and skills and abilities, it almost, you know, I was, then I turned into the kid who would show up a few minutes late to practice because I'm the best kid on the field. And, you know, I know the coaches aren't going to kick me out because they need me to win. And I'm the, I'm the fastest kid on the track. So I don't really need to warm up. Um, and so it was, I think there's a danger in all of a sudden, like good is the enemy of great. And because I was never good before, and then I got that success, it was all of a sudden it was like, you know, was that enough? And I started to, in reflection, it was enough for me. Like I was, you know, I was the best in, you know, our state or whatever it may be at, at what I was doing. And then I think I had a second kind of awakening because, you know, where did my work ethic go? And really like having to have that hard conversation with myself was like, how did you act work when people weren't recognizing me? And now that you are being recognized and do have these accolades, you're working a third as hard. And is that, you know, and then I saw those, I think I have a mantra of the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And I really saw the showing up late to practice, maybe not, you know, it's like, spending an hour training instead of three because you know i'm in my mind i'm the best already i don't need to train that hard really started to put dangerous roots into all aspects of my life um because i think the the way you do one thing is the way um you do everything and it's a reflection of that and so i think at an early age i had that one awakening and then i really had to have another very hard awakening at the end of university when i stopped playing university sports due to injury where I really had to like have that honest conversation with myself about my work ethic and you know talent can only take you so far if it's not watered so I think you know being honest with my with my journey I did have those those ups and downs and had a really tough second awakening here at the end of university going into you know the, the rest of my life and really having to take a reevaluation on you know because I think as you guys at high level athletes know it's when people are just handing you things and telling you that you're the best and whatever it may be, it can, it can poison the well a little bit. And I had to have that really honest conversation with myself about where my work ethic had gone. And Logan, with your injuries, what, what was the main thing that was obviously for, for injuries to be so prevalent in a career that it, it kind of stopped your career? how did that accumulate over time and what what actually made you think that it was time to venture into a new path because i think that that's probably one of the hardest things to do because when i look at if i was to ever be in that situation myself i don't know if i could do that or what that would look like and and how, how did that go for yourself yeah yeah it was uh not by choice but i think rather by rather by force for myself uh, it was concussions that ended my um, American football career. And it was one of those where I, you know, the doctors, you know, sat me down and they're like, you are never playing another snap of football again, period. Um, I had gotten three very severe concussions within a matter of 10 days. Um, I couldn't, couldn't use my hands. I couldn't speak. I w- it like put me back, spent a couple months in the hospital, just really relearning the basics. Um, I should have stopped sooner, but you know, my, my dream was to play professional football. That was the trajectory of Zalan. That was, I'd put all my chips in that basket. 
Um, and so for me, it, it was a really, really tough identity crisis after that. You know, I went from the kid who was, I was Logan, the athlete. It was A and B. That's how people thought of me. That's where I found myself worth was in athletic success. And once that was removed, it was a huge void that I didn't realize how much I'd put my identity into sports and athletics in that journey. And really, you know, after that, there was this huge void that I filled with partying and socializing and just like kind of no direction or purpose for, for a few months after, you know, that sports career was taken away from me. So it wasn't, and I think luckily, because I would have never made the choice to, to step away, I'm being honest with myself. And so like, it's a true blessing in disguise um, because I wouldn't be here running, running businesses um, today if, if that wouldn't have happened. But it was, it got so severe that it was, yeah, it was a choice made for me, um, not by myself. Um, I think it's very interesting to hear that because from a personal perspective of mine, like you just said, the A and B, Logan's always associated or was always associated with the athletics or the athletic boy, uh, whatever. I personally also um, had this feeling a couple of years ago. I was always valid the the football player. I was always dreaming of football as my life and whatever. But getting to a self-reflection of yourself that you can separate these two aspects that the athletic side is not who you are truly are. And being yourself is truly who you are. And this being your hobby that maybe is your dream to become a professional football player, but it's not all your life. And that you try to separate your eggs in your basket, like you just mentioned, that not everything, you only have a plan A. I personally like the entrepreneurial route of trying to start my own business. I do this besides the aspect of playing professional football. Of course, of course if someone would ask me now, um, what would you choose if you have to? My business or the football career? I would not even blink for a second. I would take the football career because it's my dream. It's it's the love I have to this sport. But I can imagine how frustrating it had to be to be forced off your love. I just call it now. And I think many people out there who had to go through this, and um, or have or will go through this, you're not alone out there. Many people will suffer. But I always say make or break, and the aspect of going back to the ownership part and um, it's not something it's not a failure it's like you said it opened up new doors for you the entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurial route and um, it can open up many doors and the aspects that you um accumulated over the years the attributes the habits uh, and whatsoever from the athletic side you can perfectly combine into the business side or whatever route you are planning up. So I think it's very inspiring to hear your story, how you were coping with it uh, from your fitness and health journey. Maybe we could go a little bit more into that, how it was when you were growing up. You mentioned that you had the uh, the spike at 15 and 16 when all the genetics uh, started happening. I would also say I had a similar style. I, I was very lanky, how the people say today, mm -hmm. uh, until I was 14, 15. And then I started to get some muscle, maybe it was the genetic, genetic aspects of my mom that she, or my, my parents that she gave in, in to me. But I also went on to a fitness and health journey after that. You know, you're uh, getting in touch with social media. The, the social media is uh, portraying different things to you. Uh, you uh, spoke about the high performance aspect of, of what you're trying to achieve uh, for athletes. And I think there's so much information out there uh, on, on what kids are being taught today 
maybe we could go a little bit more into what worked for you in your fitness and health journey. What were some learnings and where did you fail in terms of where you had your breaking point in the fitness and health aspect where you said, oh, I need to maybe go into a different direction. This wasn't working for myself. Excellent. No, and I think I, there's a there's a piece out out of that, you know, before I tackle the health piece that I that I think was super powerful that you mentioned is about the ownership of when these bad things happen. And I think it's really, really important for people listening and in ourselves to when huge life events happen and maybe a trajectory has changed, a plan has changed, to really take the time to own that moment and take the reflection period to be like, what do I want? in life because i think for me that had happened and i was in this kind of the fog of war right you know this whole life that i've been living was now that that door had closed and i think other people are like you should do this you should do that you should do this but you know really owning your future and to be like okay this is no longer an option i need to accept that what do i really want and taking the time not just to float in space and i think that's especially as young men, it's really easy for us in today's day and age to be purposeless and just kind of go with the flow of, I graduate, I get a job, I do the cubicle thing nine to five, and you just kind of float through space. But I think it's really important to take that, feel the pain, sit in the emotion of it, and be like, what do I want? And what do I need to do to go get it? And really having that time to, to think through and own, you know, like, okay, these are my options. What do I want? How do I go create it for myself? Because I think the easy route is to just take, you know, what other other people are handing you or your parents say, you should go do this, but it's a safe, secure job. Or your friends say, oh, you know, like, just do this. And it's kind of easy to follow along. But I think it's really important for, for us, no matter what life, but especially when big changes or big pain points happen, is to like sit, reflect, and own that moment you be able to decide like what do I really want in this life because at the end of the day we we're in control no one else is making the choices for us people can assist you along the way but at the end of the day it's up to us to live the life that we know that we want to exactly I think that's that's a good point as well not being forced uh, to do anything the traditional way or how your parents wanted or any of your friends or the social pressure that you get so, um, and rather really trying to find the right intention there's a word in hindu it's called uh, dharma I'm, I'm reading a book i'm trying to um open my horizon and dharma means uh, purpose in hindu so i think i'm still trying to find my purpose in life I, and i think it's it will always change it will keep on changing but it's what i want to do personally not being pressured by anyone outside social media or whatsoever i love doing uh, I love helping people and with my business, with my sports. I, I love to be a role model for others. I want to uh, motivate other people and try to help them achieve their dreams. But as you mentioned, it's important to set your own intentions. Where do you want to go? What do you truly want to do? Because there's so much influence on you. But what? ask, this, ask yourself the question, what do you want to do? And it's not the issue of having to find it out immediately or over a week or a couple of months. You can try different things. You can work a nine to five, get the work experience and see what works for you. Try out different things, but it's never a, a bad thing to, to quit in those instances, I personally think, because if it's not for you, go try something else. No one's keeping you back or forcing you to do anything else. 
Um, so I think that's a, a, an interesting part you just mentioned. Well, I actually really like that take there. And I think you've said some really good things uh, in that whole sentence. Uh, I think it's not easy to take accountability. And Logan, what, what you said there is a lot of people these days are just kind of floating in space and you see it a lot. And I know that it's got to do with society and it's got to do with the pressure that people our age kind of face the expectations of which are there and also the expectations of which aren't there now. And this makes it, I honestly think it makes it easier for the people like us to get to the top because the separation between the people who take extreme accountability and responsibility for the situation, something that uh, a friend of mine and I, we always say is that the cream will rise, uh, the cream will rise. And this is, uh, it's a reference to obviously the, the people who, who work the hardest, people who put in the most, people who have the most uh, focus, vision, dedication, everything of which is needed to get to the top eventually, they will, the cream will rise. And Logan, what, what are the main things for you when, when you have these moments, when you have these, 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 these times where you have to self-reflect, how do you deal with it? Is it writing it down on a piece of paper? Is it speaking to your family? Is it... Yeah. How do you deal with these specific moments? Yeah, I think um, the most important conversation is the one that you have with yourself. I think that's something that, at least for me, I never truly had for a while. I had a bunch of conversations with good friends, intellectual conversations. Yeah, I'm someone who feels very blessed that my inner circle is very, very good people, very caring men, very ambitious men, very talented people that I'm very grateful to be around. But my conversations were with them about these things, not with myself. I think that was a big understanding for me is the most important conversations, the one you have with yourself and really being like, where, where have I been failing myself, my future family, my future self, and how they've been real with yourself, um, with those conversations. And I think for me, journaling has been a great way to like, in writing it as like, I'm talking to myself. Like I will write it down as in like Logan Jennings, you know, it's like, I'm having those hard conversations with myself. And I also started to, it's like shifted this mindset to, it's like, look forward to a hard conversation, especially with yourself. Um, in doing, I now do a practice of, of every Saturday. I reflect on the entire week previously and every conversation meeting and interaction that I had and write down you know it's like when did I when did I present myself the way that I wanted to and when are times that I carried myself to you know my employees or people in the community that I wasn't honestly very proud of you know it's like and to write those down and to reflect and have those like look forward to the tough conversation with yourself because that's where the biggest positive change comes from in my opinion and so during these hard times it's you know I think vulnerability with your inner circle is extremely important especially as, as men because i think we're slighted to not be vulnerable i think that's just something that we you know by nature aren't so i think that is very important but i think vulnerability with yourself and accountability with yourself and you know having those hard conversations and for me journaling in a way that is is directed towards myself has been a you know my easiest way to have those tough conversations Two things on that, if you like it. One thing that I want to say first is, do you think that 
it's being vulnerable or do you think that's actually being strong? Because what I would say is that, yes, it comes with being vulnerable. Although, would that actually be a strength? Because I think that that's more of a strength rather than a vulnerability. Absolutely. And I would ask, you know, Nick, do you, do you consider vulnerability and weakness the same thing? Because that's, that's a conversation that I'd have with myself as well. Because before I was considered those two, you know, synonyms of each other, vulnerability and weakness. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting one because I think it's situational in that aspect. Vulnerability can definitely be, uh, let's say it's an ex exposing a, a weaker side, but then also let's say if you're cultivating the, the right people around you, which is, which was my second point that I wanted to go into. So the, the people who you're surrounding yourself with, if you're cultivating in the right way, speaking with them. If you're being vulnerable with them, I think that that's actually using the strengths that you have and the strength that you've cultivated to then get a better uh, objective from that. And and how did you, Logan, actually cultivate the right people around you? Because that's it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. No, it, it's it's one of the hardest I think in in life um, is to have to kind of end, end some relationships and friendships and not, you know, carry those with respect. Um, something that, an analogy that really helped me in this, um, because now it's something I'm very strict about who I, who I let in my life and who I spend my, spend my time with, because I've seen it is not the biggest impact on my life. It's who I spend my hours and my meeting with and my conversation with. Um, but the analogy of, you know, as a space shuttle goes into space, there's rockets that jettison at a certain altitude. And that's what they're designed for. They're designed to carry the spatials to a certain altitude. And it's not a bat. They're designed to jettison. They're designed to leave that space shuttle as it continues into space. And really thinking, because I had such a hard time leaving or not cultivating relationships that I had for 10 years, five years, just really good people but maybe not people that were designed to stay on with me to my journey into space. And they were the rockets that were designed to jettison. Um, I think that analogy really helped me be okay with letting go of friendships and relationships that they were meant for a chapter. They were phenomenal sports friends that really pushed me to be the best athlete I could be, but they're not driven professionally or intellectually or whatever it may be, which is not a negative. It's just not what I want. And I think separating the separating those two between they can be a really great person and it's they're just down a different path than what I want. Um, and so that that's an analogy that's really helped me kind of come to terms with like that's that's a, that's okay. It's okay to have those rockets jettison. Yeah, I think just to add on that, I actually really like point that you said there with the people who you had along the journey who maybe didn't get to the heights at which you want to go and when I think about that for myself now my circle is like ridiculously tight because of the situation of me moving uh you know countries moving cities every six months 
it's just a bit of a hectic lifestyle you naturally lose people who maybe don't uh give you the 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 best relationships and what's interesting is when when you said that i've i've previously made an episode on friendships and and the the, the circle of which we have and something that you said there which which made me kind of reflect on some of the people who I have had to let go and some of the people who have naturally faded away. I think that one thing that I, I realized then when you said it is that some of the friends that I've had previously, maybe they taught me very valuable lessons that I still carry with me today. And I think one thing that one of my closest friends when I was uh, at school is I was so... I can't say I was mean, but I was I was so on him every single day, making sure that he's training, making sure that he's coming to the library with me to do the email so he can send out football teams. I was making sure he wasn't partying. I was making sure that he wasn't doing anything that wasn't getting him close to his goals. And he hated it. He absolutely hated it. And I look back at that and I think, wow, I, I, I wasn't the nice person although you know what i really think that if it if he didn't get any help from it which i don't know if he did or not i really got help from that because that really flipped the switch on me because having that external source of accountability where i can't tell him to do something that i'm not doing myself because that's hypocritical that's pushing me even further and now i don't i don't really speak to him anymore um i I, I, he was my best friend for my whole like high school life and we were very very close but we we just kind of drifted off when I when I first moved over to Germany and I really treasure the the relationship that we had because he wasn't just a really nice guy he wasn't just helping me as a person but the lessons that I had from him and when you think about the people in your life as well, another episode that I made was uh, talking about what's your next five moves. And, we, and when we think about people on, on the chessboard, a lot of the people who we meet in, in, in life will be, you know, the porn. We're just, we're just using them or they're using us. It's a, it's a very transactional relationship. But these types of people, for instance, when we think about a porn who makes its way to the other side of the chessboard. If it doesn't get taken, then that can become your most valuable piece. And when you're able to nurture these relationships through accountability and responsibility, sometimes these people can become your biggest assets. And I think that's a very interesting one because it's sometimes neglected if we don't think someone around us may have the most immediate uh, return on, let's say, the relationship that they have although if it's nurtured enough or if the lesson is big enough for instance my friend there who i'm talking about although i haven't spoke to him in a few years the the relationship that we had it's invaluable and that's a very important lesson not just for friendship for me but also for how i got better because of that and Logan, do you have anyone in your life who was like that like that in the way that they 
they weren't necessarily motivated and I poured into them or that they were the pawn that became the queen. I just want to understand your question correctly. Yeah, more the pawn that became the queen. So someone who maybe you kind of drifted from, although they gave you such good value that they they brought you up as, as an individual. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think there's so many, you know, it's, it's looking to continue the chessboard analogy, I think. Like I've really come to value. It's like, it doesn't matter. The the skills can be learned, right? They're all hard work. You know, we've all become athletes and, and business owners. Like those, those are skills that can be acquired skills that when I started, you know, my business journey, I knew absolutely nothing and made a couple thousand failures in the last year, year and a half of, of being a business owner. But does, I think the key piece is, does that, does that pawn want to become a because I think I now value the, it's like people who may not have the skills, but they have the drive or get the skills and work for the skills. Because I think that right there, I've noticed with friendships and relationships, because I've poured so heavily into some people that at the end of the day, like I want it more, I want it for them more than they want it for themselves. And so I think it's a, it's a hard, and I, I'm still learning the balance, but pouring into people that aren't just going to be a value vacuum where you're pouring and pouring and pouring and they're really just taking it all in, but not actually moving up the chessboard with you, you know, because I, I would not consider myself a king or a queen on the chessboard yet. You know, it's like I'm still leveling up to the, the rook in the night and, you know, I'm on my way there. But do those people also want to become kings at ways in the future? I think that's a really important understanding that you have to have with those individuals because i think it's a very dangerous you know to pour into somebody so deeply but are they going to be a value back here at the end of the day um and i think that's a really it's it's a tough it's a tough conversation to have with those people and to understand like are they going to be someone that we're going to go to war with for the next 10 years to make it or is this am i just going to pour into them for the next year or so and at the end of the day they they really just didn't want it as bad. Yeah, Val, I'm I'm curious to think about how you've had also some of these uh, relationships in your past because obviously you you've talked about your at the age of 15 with the people who you were surrounding with, and when I'm thinking about the relationship that Val and I have, even, and I think that for me. I would consider Val one of the people who is in my very, very tight circle. And it's it's really like it's really incredible to see where my tight circle has come from because it's it's very funny that most of the people, if not all, if they're not my family members, have come from LinkedIn. And it's 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 really incredible that the the byproduct of taking accountability doesn't just come through doesn't just come through necessarily you know whether i'm taking accountability for my body whether i'm taking accountability for my support i think that we start to create our own luck in so many different areas that when you start doing things with the right intention you start to cultivate your own luck like the fact that i'm able to have such a good friendship with val logan i haven't even met val i haven't met him in person it's crazy but I speak to Val so often 
Uh, we, we share so many stories. We, we try and help each other out as much as possible. And we have a great, we have a great relationship and Val and yeah, yeah, Val, if you could go into specific, uh, times, events, whatever your lessons are about that, cause I think that's a very important. Hey everybody, this is Logan Jennings, CEO of Intersect. I just wanted to briefly introduce what we do here. So Intersect Performance Coaching looks at a holistic 360 degree view of our clients where we look at not only fitness and nutrition, but supplementation, sleep, hormones, stress, and lifestyle. We pair that with um, an in-depth review of genomics, blood testing, and gut biome to be able to perfectly tailor our three-month system to drive not only physical, but cognitive results in two to three months that could only be achieved in six to 12 months on their own. So we take a very in-depth personalized view of each and every client to help drive performance, weight loss, muscle gain, or cognitive performance in any aspect of our clients' fields um, to perfectly match their goals. If you're interested in hearing more, you can contact me um, at my personal email, which is logan at intersectfit.co or go check our, out our website at intersectfit.co or .com. And we're looking forward to chatting and hearing more about your story and how can we help you uh, achieve your goals and reach the next level. I, I want to quickly touch base on what Logan mentioned with the um, different skill sets and stuff like that. I think having the back to the initial drive, intention, what is your purpose? Do you want to go to the top in terms of like, do you also want to some time in your life, for example, become a CEO or founder? and you want to make your first steps in a maybe small startup or whatsoever, the skill set is maybe not as important as to who you truly are or what you can bring to the table in terms of your character, uh, character, your attributes, and, and whatsoever. I personally as well, I started my entrepreneurial journey two years ago. I am a CEO and founder on the paper, but I am brutally honest there are many people who could do a better job as a ceo or whatnot i don't have 10 out of 10 skill sets in every aspect for example financial uh, product design uh, manufacturing and whatsoever but i'm truly blessed to the networking aspect that i love connecting with people i met nick he's a great guy i feel like he i can talk to him on a daily basis we always have chats that last longer than one and a half hours and we i thought it was just starting out and he truly feels like a brother to me because he has the same intention. He wants to achieve his dreams in life. And that's, I think, a truly interesting part. If we surround ourselves with people who have the similar drive, uh, they can get us further than people who maybe hold us back. I really, really like the analogy, Logan, you mentioned. And going back to the space aspect of it, I had the biggest learning in my life and who's in my foxhole, I call it in my uh, smaller circle when I moved to Greece or when I left school because in school there are so many friends that you call friends that are not truly in your attention that are like the uh, pawns on the chessboard that use you for your ability in order to benefit themselves even more but I don't want to say try this out but moving once to a different city to a different country can teach you or show you open and honestly who still reaches out, who's still interested to staying in touch, who's interested in your life. And those are the people 
who can be in your foxhole, like I like all this. So uh, those were there. Those were my. I like to keep my circle close. So for example, I talk to Nick on a regular basis. I have two female friends that I talk on a regular basis, and like my six, seven really closest boys. Uh, that I also go traveling uh, to France next week. We do this once a year. Maybe look, we're all over the world, but I know if I get together once a year with these guys, I can rely on them. They're my best mates, and I love just connecting with them. And I know these people uh, rely on me, and vice versa. So I think it's very interesting to see where the world can can what the world can teach us about who we can uh, be together. I never met Nick. That's the funniest aspect. I contacted him with the intention to get him on as an athlete for myself in order to advertise my product, to get it out there. And through these conversations, we are now uh, talking on a podcast on a regular basis. We're chatting, we're uh, discussing football things, and we've just became good friends. Um, But that's just a personal anecdote I wanted to throw in. Sure. No, I think... uh, Go ahead, Nick. Okay, I was just going to say, I think that the, the the brilliant thing about all of this is that we can just tie this back to when we start to take responsibility. And we can tie this back to Logan, that, that moment where you you said at the very beginning, right, when you're fifth, uh, when you're when you're very young and you, you get picked last. An uh, episode that Val and I are going to be doing very soon is we're talking about the flywheel effect. And what comes with that what comes with that first initial spiral is momentum. And when you start getting that momentum, you start to see results. And what I would say is that there's this, there's a degree of natural selection, not just with the friends who you uh, drift apart from, for example, with Val, when he's saying moving countries, for me, it's maybe more of an extreme one because, I mean, I when I went back to Australia last month, I don't think one person messaged me asking if they wanted to meet up from my previous friends. Not one. Now that's pretty crazy. So it's, it is a degree of natural selection in, let's say, the friend group. Let's say there comes a degree of natural selection in the things and the attention that you give. So when we think about where the highest ROI of your attention goes to, I mean, when I think about when we all have the same 24 hours, how is Ronaldo able to make... Uh, the progress as a footballer. How is Jeff Bezos able to make the millions of dollars every single minute? You know, we all have the same 24 hours and there is a knock-on effect through the momentum and the flywheel effect. And Logan, can you can you really point back to that moment where you were the young boy getting picked last? Do you think that that was probably your biggest moment? And you are, are you very thankful for this moment in your life? Because when I think about it, I would say that when I'm hearing your story, this would probably be where that switch kind of flipped. Would that be it? Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, the flywheel effect in momentum, right? It's it's starting to own. It's like you own the conversations that you have. You own the way that you make your bed. You own the way that you, um, every meeting now is a, is a CEO or a boss. It's like, I don't think a, a title, a title doesn't give you power. Your actions give you power. I think that's something that, at least in our society here in the States, I think it's very missed as people have, they're a boss or they're a manager or they're an owner, but it's like, that doesn't give you your actions 
give you give you the power. Um, and when it comes to the the flywheel effect, which I think is one of the most powerful phenomenons in life and in nature and in humans, is like once you success breeds success breeds success breeds success. Um, I think going back to to what I said earlier is like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, and it's just like I've seen. The instant I start, you know, it's like having an intentional conversation with the person who works at the gas station or the front clerk at the gym. Just the way that I articulate myself there is going to affect how I lead meetings a month later. The way that I, the extra little intensity and intention that I come into a training session with affects the intention and energy and discipline I bring to a business planning. And they're all these things that are hyper connected. And you can't just have, you know, you can't be disciplined in one area and every other aspect of your life is completely falling apart. I think once those things start to roll in motion, it's just a body in motion stays in motion. And so I think for myself, it's like even when it's like I can self-correct and, you know, when things start to maybe not go as in a positive direction, it's like, intentionally handling every aspect in my life and being like, I'm going to perform at a top level, whether that purely be like doing my laundry, like how can I intentionally and effectively do this without just mindlessly walking through this task? I think that just breeds self-confidence because you're like, all right, I can, I can operate in, even it's the simplest task of doing laundry. I, I can operate and officially do this in a high level. And then that just, you know, flows into every other aspect and gets that flywheel turning, which once it's turning, it's very hard to stop. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a firm believer of owning every aspect of your life and not, you know, even if bad things happen, be like, all right, it happened. Now, what can I do to correct this and change this? Because I have the power to do that. You get in a car accident. It's like, okay, well that happened. First of all, what did I do to put myself in this situation? Um, because at the end of the day, we're always, you know, whether it's somebody else's fault, it's always back on us. And now how can I handle this in the best possible way to get out of this situation most effectively? And so I think, yeah, the flywheel is extremely important and having the, the accountability to own everything in your life is, if I could boil down, you know, a life skill that's going to lead to fulfillment and success, it's in a happy life, it's that right there. I think that was very well said. When I try and explain that, I, I often say it in quite a rude way, but I think definitely said it a lot better than myself there. Uh, Val, just quickly as well. So this is this is actually a question that I, I had for both Val and Logan. The things that I do to create this self-awareness for, let's say, making progress, do either of you track this through a metric, whether it's, for example, the way that I track all my my progress, the self-awareness, all of these different things, I always track it through a good notes on my iPad. So I'm always using my iPad. I take my iPad everywhere. My screen time is ridiculous because all I'm doing is just trying to get better and better. And I have these reminders. So to either of you, and Logan, you've already mentioned that you were a big fan of journaling. Uh, likewise, Val or Logan, and well, both, obviously, what are the ways that you create this awareness to bring attention to more specific areas, whether you feel like you're lagging behind, whether you feel like you're putting too much attention to somewhere, what are the things 
that you have in place to keep you at the top level? If Logan, you want to start first and then we'll go to Bell. Definitely. Um, so I think for me, you know, right now business is my, you know, that that's the main focus in, in my attention every day. Um, so I'll, I'll speak kind of directly through a, a business lens. Um, and that's really setting goals for the month and then, you know, really articulating the why behind those goals. And then it's, I dive into, okay, what needs to happen that's measurable this week to reach these monthly goals? And then what needs to happen every day to reach those goals this week that leads to this month? And so I think in every goal needs to be, I think something that's a mistake, at least for myself, is having it not be measurable. Because you can say, oh, I want to, you know, I want to increase employee culture okay what does that mean i think it's very easy for us to say yes it got done but did it really get done and so i think taking the time what i do now is okay what is measurable and why does it matter and then be able to every night before i go into the next day those are written down and the day is not done until those are done and having the mindset is like i don't stop when i'm tired i stop when it's done and then that brings on the ownership to say you know I think it's really easy to just work. You know, I worked hard today. Okay, but did you get everything done that needed to get done? That's truly important to the business or your training, um, whatever it may be. And so how I track it is through measurable goals that are not just, you know, I think it's for me, I can go work for 14 hours and I can check that off the box. But did the actual tasks that surely drive revenue and progress for this company, did those get done? Um, and so that's how I, how I personally break it down as I go month to week to day with actually actionable, measurable things that need to get checked off the box. And as far as, you know, that list also includes, did I get my training and my mobility and my nutrition, my walks, my meditation, because those all end up tying into the, the success of the business, because if I'm not operating at the highest level, neither will the business. And so that's how I personally do it is is taking the time to break it all down into things that are measurable and then not stopping until, you know, it's like, yeah, I may be exhausted, but the list isn't done. And that's an expectation that I set for myself. And I think the instant that that slides, that's a, that's a dangerous road. And so that's where I kind of draw the line for myself. I, what I would say quickly before Val, you go, I would just say, Logan, what I would attribute that to and this is the whole name of the, the podcast. It's what you're doing there is sculpted and it's purpose. It's attention. Everything you do has a purpose. It's getting you closer to where you want to go. You're refining every single time that you do something, you want to do it and get better at it. So the next time you're better, you're more efficient. And so it just has this cold padding effect. And it's a very interesting one. I really like what you said there. Value and going back to the vulnerability aspect which I was working on in the, in the past year, I reflected and, and uh, I wanted to work on myself. So I like to be a person also being hold accountable off. I like to hold others accountable, but I also sometimes feel like I need to be holded accountable off. So I always, I tried so many different things, you know, meditation and journaling, but it wasn't for me. Uh, I tried the Wim Hof method for a couple of uh, months. I tried journaling, but I love writing things down from a business perspective, my to-do list, 
what the things I've done, notes, whatsoever. But in terms of like writing down my thoughts and stuff, that w just wasn't me. And uh, dealing with my emotions, um, I didn't know how to do that. Um, so now I've implemented two things. First of all, from a, pers a business perspective, talking to uh, more to my mom, who's my role model in business. Uh, she has a lot of experiences in entrepreneurship, building her own business and whatsoever. So I love connecting with her over these aspects. And secondly, the vulnerability aspect and holding me accountable, um, going to a person who I can talk with about all my problems and stuff like that is a, I call him a life coach. Um, he's my, um, he's, he's my, wait, I forgot the word. Um, better cut it out. Mental? No, it's a guy I talked to, uh, my therapist. Sorry, I'll just go again. Um, therapist, but many people associate a negative to a therapist that they have any um, mental problems or stuff like that. I love just attribute a therapist to a uh, reactive approach rather than a proactive approach, which in your case, it's a proactive approach. Exactly, exactly. So I, I always like to call him my life coach. Um, I talk to him about my issues and my problems that I don't feel comfortable talking to anyone else. And um, we talk about different strategies. For example, sometimes if I feel lost or if it's overwhelming, I have so many things to do, breaking it down, going back to the flywheel effect, chipping away, sculpted analogy, individually one task that get that done have the feeling of sensation sensation you got something done continuing on finding that momentum again having someone who holds you accountable that's one thing that's working for me at the moment and i love checking in with him once a month to just talk for an hour and uh, just to let my my guard down if, if you want to call it nick i've got a, a question for you um when it comes to I know you're someone you mentioned you're always always on the iPad always kind of analyzing reviewing um I would love to hear your thoughts on the dangers of planning and writing but no action because I feel there's a uh there's a very it's like so many people they write a big long to-do list obsessed over the to-do list obsessed over what's the most important and then you spend all your time planning and thinking without ever acting and so from someone who, you know, you, you plan and analyze and, and write a ton, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. It's a very interesting one because I've definitely been there. And it's, there's definitely, there's definitely times where I still probably don't take the right amount of action. And what I would attribute to that is the incentive. If I was to give you a million dollars for completing a task, and it didn't require much effort, maybe it was a week of effort, you would probably do it. And you'd probably do it, you know, with quite a fair bit of quote-unquote motivation. If I was to give that same exact task with the same amount of effort, with the exact same amount, with the exact reward to Elon Musk, for instance, do you think that he would go in with that exact same amount of conviction, with the exact same amount of effort as you do? I don't think that you would. And what I'm trying to get with that is that when I say that there's no action in a specific area, I wouldn't attribute that to necessary, necessarily uh, laziness, although it comes with a degree of laziness to not understand 
the incentive. Uh, therefore, whenever I've thought about moments when I've done all of the work, but there's been no action. Now, I'll be 100% honest, there aren't many times. And even at where I'm at now, I couldn't point a finger at a specific moment. But maybe when I was a bit younger, I didn't have the processes in place. Maybe I didn't have the experience to understand uh, what quote unquote motivation is. I have a very different opinion on what motivation is. And, and it's derived from an incentive, I believe. And the analogy that I gave there of the, the, the million dollars doing a task i think it kind of puts a good a good perspective on it because when i think about okay i do all of this work like you said logan i write down everything i obsess over this but the action if i don't take the action i would attribute that to a lack of incentive because if you were to get the million dollars for doing barely anything amongst the week period you'd probably have a lot of motivation to do so so if you're able to flip that switch and re-incentivize things, so that could be looking like, for example, if I thinking, okay, I've written down my my goals, my planning and what not to make my next move as a professional footballer. I write this all down on paper so it's clear for me or whatever it is. Uh, and I don't take any action on it. Or maybe I don't give enough action to it. What I would say is maybe the incentive isn't that, and that could be re-incentivizing it. So what I would attribute re-incentivizing to is what do you get from it outside of the end goal? Now, for me, when I think about professional football, I'll be 100% honest, I don't care about football. It's a, it's a bit different from most people. Like Val, you, you love football. I'll tell you right now, for me, Football chose me. I could be playing rugby. I could be playing basketball. I could be playing American football. I could be playing golf. Seriously, I, I really don't care. I just found that football chose me and that's the path that I went down. And what I'm saying with this is that for me, I think that when I think about the journey of becoming a professional footballer, I know that it's an exception. It's an exceptional life. I don't know anyone else who's living the life of which I am. And I'm not saying it's a great life. An exception is merely an exception to the average. I'm not average. I, don't, I can't say I'm above the average. I can't say I'm below the average, although I'm definitely not the average person. And I think this is all derived from the incentive. So when I think about it, and to, to the summary of the point, Logan, I would say that when there is planning for action and there is no action required after that i would say that typically the lack of incentive or let's say the scenario of which someone is in would dictate the speed of action does that make sense absolutely i think that's uh you bring up a great point which is a reward and i think really tough at least i've seen because in a normal average corporate it's like you do this job you get paid this paycheck guaranteed you know that your actions are going to be rewarded i think the three of us live lifestyles where nick you could put in a million hours you could never see a dime from nothing's guaranteed and you know well in, in myself and when the business it's like i could spend years and years and years just working as hard as possible not it's not guaranteed 
that I think that's those are ventures that are most worth the effort. But it's one of the hardest for the human brain to wrap wrap its head around is there's no guaranteed reward. And I think at least in American education, it's you do this amount of homework, you get this grade. You you know input output. And in in life, you know, I think the most meaningful pursuits, you don't know what the output is. There's no guaranteed output for your your input. And so I think you bring up a really, really <clears throat> powerful point of you need to spend the time deriving what is the reward. And that monetary reward may not be definable. And so the reward needs to be the skills, processes, abilities that you're going to gain along the way. Or to find something that you you deem worth the effort. Because I think that's a really tough, you know, that's something that I've noticed is before when I was working in finance, it was, I know if I put in these long hours and do this, I'm going to get this huge payout in the end. You know, it was very, it was a guaranteed output for my work. Now in the entrepreneurial space, it's not guaranteed at all. Um, and so I think there's, there's where it gets really tough for, at least it's been tough for me. And I think it's tough for a lot of people is to really dig deep and believe in yourself and believe that the output's going to be there as well as maybe changing what, what you want that output to be. And Nick, to your point is that it's the skills, abilities, and the process. And in that, that reward is, is what's going to keep you going when other things are, are unknown. Yeah, 100%. Val, do you have any experiences yourself where you could probably attribute that to as well? Um, nothing at the top of my head, if I'm honest at the moment. That's so good. Well, I think we're, we're kind of at the hour mark now, I think. So, Logan, if we want to quickly go through the three ways that you sculpt yourself on a daily basis, it could be your, your journaling, your meditation, whatever it is, three ways that you sculpt yourself on a daily basis. Definitely. So I think for me, I, I split it, you know, in, in three kind of large, large categories. That's one is, is physical fitness. Um, and I think that is, you know, not just going through the motions of exercising, but making sure that it's intentional, planned and intense. And that is something that, you know, not only sculpts the body, but I think it shows it shows the brain who's boss, um, which I think is very important. It's like, you know, just when you're tired or exhausted, or you don't want to, you know, go, go further, you still do it. And you go that one more, you go that extra rep, you go that extra, you know, you, you go into that training session and you accomplish what you set out to, to go through from a, a reps and sets intensity wise. And so, you know, I want to take it a step further than just, just exercising every day. But, you know, when it comes to a sculpting perspective, it's accomplishing that, you know, intense, intentional exercise every single day, whether you want to or not, no matter what time it is in the day, if it's 10 o'clock at night, it's like, I still need to go do it and I still need to show up intense and not just go through the motions. So that's a huge piece of my life. Um, the second being, I would wrap it into just the little things. Um, like I mentioned, the laundry, the dishes, how you interact with the clerk at the gym when you walk in, you know, are you, are you carrying yourself? Are you practicing listening, conversing, the art of persuasion, eye contact, um, the little things like that, just continuing to sculpt and sharpen the sword um, day in and day out when it comes to the little things. And then the third for me is is business. 
you know, is, am I carrying myself as a leader? Am I accomplishing the tasks that I set out to do that day? Am I, am I thinking about the entire chessboard from a 30,000 foot view and not just waking up and, and burying myself in the nitty gritty, what exactly needs to get done every day? But am I growing into the, the empire builder that, that I want to be in the future? Love it. Yeah, I think that's very good way of thinking about it. And, and Val, do you have any, anything else you want to quickly touch on before we uh, wrap it up? Um, one personal question, maybe. What's one attribute you would have say, you would say brought you to where you are right now in terms of your business journey? I think tied it back to the theme that we that we came into this podcast of is is ownership and really you know it's like yes to to your point um you know it's like i don't have you know i'm the same way i don't have the skills as a product manager or a marketer or a salesperson or any of those things but not counting on you know building a super strong team but not just saying oh if i hire this person this part of the business is going to be fixed i still own that that process you know i still own directing them providing them the resources they need and owning every aspect of the business whether i'm the one tactically executing that on a day-to-day -day basis it's like i still own and drive the marketing team the sales team the product dev team i think that is something it's like not not taking a steep back like okay the the sales experts they're they're going to handle this i don't need to worry about it it's like no like i need to understand it through and through, I need to understand what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, and I need to own that sales process. Even if I'm not the one daily, you know, doing it, um, which I think is, it's really easy when you may, it's like, I'm not a marketing expert. So it's easy to just kind of pass that ownership on to somebody else, but like, they're going to handle it and we're going to succeed because they're skilled in it. Like, no, take the hard time to listen, learn, ask the right question, own that process, make sure that it's being executed in, in your vision that you have for the company and the team. I think from, from the very beginning, just like taking that responsibility on myself to be like every single piece of this business, I need to thoroughly understand and I need to own um, because that's the only way that this is going to succeed. And I can't just yield that responsibility to someone else in hopes that like, oh, they're going to carry the ship in this matter. And, and I don't need to worry about it because I don't understand. And Nick, uh, Nick, I would um, actually just throw that question to you over as well. Uh, you can interpret it in uh, your business learnings or even your football career. And uh, what's one attribute that got you to where you are today? It's tough to point out for one. I'll be a hundred percent honest. But when I think about why specifically. I would maybe say education and education probably comes through creativity. I would say creativity is a massive thing. And it's not just education through listening to podcasts or speaking with people necessarily. I think educating yourselves in a large amount of areas. When I think about how I can become a better footballer, surprisingly sometimes it's not through watching football games it it might be through watching different sports it could be listening to different perspectives on things which then shapes the way that you think i think that education 
not in the sense of a curriculum of any sort, thinking outside of the box. I think that's a very important thing. And I, I really do agree with, with what Logan was saying there. I think that that would be a, that would also be one of my own points if I was to think of more than one. I think that athletes, we do tend to want to control a lot of things. And Val, I'm sure that even in your own situation with, with Synth, with your football career, you want to be in control. And it's a very common thing for people to, to want to be in control, especially when you want to be the best. And this is prevalent in all areas of successful metrics. I think you can, I think there's a statistic saying that athletes have the same mentality as like some of the, the worst criminals in the world, because some of the worst criminals in the world will do everything it takes. Right, they want complete control, complete accountability. It's a similar mindset, and it's messed up. But people just direct it into different areas of their lives. But back to the main point: creativity through education, thinking outside of the box, and then obviously to Logan's point as well, control. I think that's that's a very big thing. Absolutely. Before we end, boys, I I wanted to ask you guys both. Um, you know, because we talked about reflection and vulnerability and, and ownership. What are what are the aspects in each of your guys' lives that you're you're working on the most that you see you have the biggest area to improve on right now that you're that you're trying to level up your game in? Nick, do you want to start? Oof. If if you don't if you don't have like yeah, you go first. I've got to think about it. Okay, um, because. I personally know exactly what I want from life. I know my drive. I would really consider myself as a special person in that sense. I'm not very ordinary um, in terms of what I do, my actions and stuff. Um, currently, I'm having issues with vulnerability, understanding emotions, understanding my own emotions, and a big aspect of um, empathy or understanding the perspective of other people and not thinking, oh, why aren't they not doing this in this way? Because I would consider it to be normal. Understanding that not everybody is 100% uh, the same and that we are all individual. Or everyone has an individual drive. Many people, for example, may not know what they want from life currently. They have not found their purpose or drive. I know I want to be a professional football player or entrepreneur or whatsoever. And in those aspects, I'm having challenges or uh, um, understanding the perspectives or feeling or c trying to consider the feelings of the other person, if that makes sense. So that's um, something I'm trying to understand and trying to put in measures in place and listening more to, to the problems, to the feelings of the other ones, trying to understand these rather than just giving them back my response to what I would do in their situation. I, uh, I absolutely agree. And I think people of our, the three of our kind of make up and build and drive. I struggle with that immensely. It's like, just stop being lazy. Stop distracting yourself. Just work harder. Yeah. Like it's, it's not that hard, but it, I, I've seen that have a negative impact on my ability to lead my ability to, understand and a good friend of mine told me it was like you don't need to respect it but show them empathy. um which i think is 
because I struggled with the difference between those two things. I was like, I don't respect these people's lifestyle or work ethic or what they care about. And you don't need to respect it and you don't need to yield that personal line of showing them respect. But I'm, I've been the same as trying to work on. It's like, I empathize with it, but I don't respect it. And I think that's an okay um, distinguish it to make is, it's like, yeah, I, I don't respect how these people live, work or, or act, but you know, it, I can empathize with, with that and, and not need to enforce my, my will or my views on, onto them. But I think I'm the same way. I struggle with that as well. It's just, right? exactly. I don't understand. Just go forward, keep pushing the needle, work harder, change things. If something's going well, change it in your life. But you know, it's not everybody's born like us, built like us, or, or have the same mindset. Of course, of course. Nick, did, in the meantime, did you try and figure out something for yourself? Yeah. I've got it. So uh, what I would say is I really think that I am a, a true component to not leaving a stone on turn. So when I think about a specific area, I think that a specific area would be that I have, I have flipped every single stone over. When I think about every single thing that I have done, I really don't think that I've left the stone unturned. But the thing with that is that it's a natural progression. So when I've been able to flip so many of these stones over, maybe I haven't been able to excel. I do a lot of things well, but I don't necessarily do one thing exceptionally. Now, this is something that I've started to bring more attention to. This was derived due to a late start in football where I was so far behind in everything else that I just needed to catch up first. The awareness to now excel in specific areas shouldn't be externally driven. That's difficult for me because I don't necessarily know the true level of character that I necessarily have because everything that I've been doing has been manipulated to get me to a certain level of which I never was at. Therefore, my biggest area that I think that I need to work on would be developing the self-awareness within myself to then excel in certain areas as now I feel like I've caught up to the stead. So it's, it's just bringing this self-awareness to moving on to the next phase. And I don't think that it's necessarily a weakness, but I think it's definitely a shift because as I've said, I don't really tend to leave stones unturned. Maybe I can't necessarily give a hundred percent to the different aspects because I don't want to leave any stones unturned. But now it's that transition period to now I want to start excelling in specific areas. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that that is a really good way to wrap it up. If no one else has got anything else to say, but Logan, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate having you on. Thank you. It was, yeah, a brilliant episode. I think that we, oh, very well mannered, very well spoken, all all of us. And yeah, I appreciate it a lot. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. It was a, it was a pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting, get to know you guys a little bit deeper. And uh, yeah, we should do this again sometime.